0: I invite you all to turn with me in your Bibles to the book of Matthew, the book of Matthew found at the beginning of the New Testament, Matthew chapter 14. And if you want to, you can turn to the back portion of your worship guide where there's some sermon notes section that you can record some thoughts if you would like. And we are going to look at Matthew 14 today. As we turn there, I'll remind you that this is part of our uh, fall sermon series that we are going through talking about transforming principles for life in God's grace. And these are really things that we believe as a church that we've been working on to some extent over the summer as we met in some group Sunday school times and as our church leadership met met as well, that are core values, things that we hold really dear, that we think are central for us as a, as a whole church body but that are also vital for each one of us in our individual Christian life. So we're going to continue talking about these matters in the week's upcoming, and you can see in another section of your worship guide a list of the messages we have coming up as we walk through each of those central principles, those core values. Today, talking about faith and action, faith and action. I invite you to stand with me as I read God's Word aloud and you all, Read along silently this passage, Matthew 14, verse 22. Immediately he made the disciples get into the boat, that's Jesus, and go before him to the other side while he dismissed the crowds. And after he had dismissed the crowds, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. When evening came, he was there alone, but, by the, but the boat by this time was a long way from the land, beaten by the waves, for the wind was against them. And in the fourth watch of the night, he came to them, walking on the sea. But when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were terrified and said, It's a ghost, they cried out in fear. But immediately Jesus spoke to them saying, take heart, it is I, do not be afraid. And Peter answered him, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. Jesus said, come. So Peter got out of the boat and walked on the water and came to Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid, and beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me! Jesus immediately reached out his hand, took hold of him, saying, O you of little faith, why did you doubt? And when they got into the boat, the wind ceased, and those in the boat worshipped him, saying, Truly, you are the Son of God. You may be seated. And as you do, let's pray once again. Father, I ask that you would work in our lives. We trust by faith what your word says, that your word does not return void. And I pray that would be true today as we meditate on this truly life-transforming passage about faith and action. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, as I thought about this message during the week, uh, my default was, of course, to think about some of the biblical accounts in addition to the one we just read of faith in action. And we're going to probably touch on a few of those. It's also to think about some of the folks throughout the history of the church, throughout Christian history, if you will, who have stepped out in bold faith and action. And maybe we'll look at one of those as well in our time. But I thought about the fact that sometimes those kind of accounts, those types of stories, although they can inspire us, as hopefully this one does today, they can also kind of discourage us. They can detach us as amateurs we might feel in a world of professional faith walkers, people who know how to do this better than we do, and we don't belong even on the field with them, we can take a step back instead of a step forward to live a life of faith in action. And I compare it to a situation that I've observed in the last couple of months around the Peters household. Uh, my wife patience we've got the four boys aged 10 down to about 5 and we have uh, been enjoying my wife and i in particular like to watch about midsummer the wimbledon wimbledon tennis competition we like to see the the big time folks play in the big time games, and we invited the boys to watch some with us, and then I guess in recent weeks there's been some of the U.S. Open on as well that we've tuned into. But it's interesting to look at the contrast between the actions of the adults in our household versus that of the children watching these experts play tennis at the top of their game. Patients and I know, I guess, from past experiences And we don't have the expertise, the skill to be able to get out and play like Federer or Murray or Azarenka or Williams. So what do we do? We're fine just watching them on TV. We're not motivated to pick up a tennis racket, neither of us having ever really played tennis, and get out there and try to actually begin to improve in the game. Let's just watch the experts play. Our kids' response is, been a little bit different a little less jaded a little less apathetic in fact if you're trying to get into the driveway in our neighborhood you're going to have trouble any afternoon because the boys are setting up a series of cones orange cones all the way across the alleyway and several barriers that they use for a net and so you can't really drive through there to get into the into the neighborhood. They're using these tennis rackets that I'm sure date back to the 80s and haven't been touched, I can promise you, since the 90s. And they've got a big, huge red ball that I think was from one of their little basketball sets because we don't even own a tennis ball anywhere in our house. And they get out there, and they really don't know much about tennis. They certainly can't keep score. Can you and I keep score in that game? And yet they enjoy trying to play Trying to get a little bit better. Why? Because they haven't become jaded. They haven't become kind of apathetic like mom and dad and thinking, best I can do is maybe watch the experts play. And I think it's a little bit like us with this issue of really living a life of faith and action. Maybe this is part of what this is supposed to be for us, that instead of hearing these passages about the heroes of the faith and seeing Peter do this amazing thing, think about it, of actually walking on top of water and having our response be, wow, man, that's, that's for the faith experts. That's for the folks that are in the big leagues of faith. That we would instead begin to say, you know, Lord, I'm not sure I can walk with that kind of faith. But I like to at least take one step. Maybe it's just a a baby step and begin to trust you in some new areas of my life. Maybe it looks like this. Maybe for the moms in our midst who are trying to keep up, maybe some of them, with some work outside of the home trying to keep kids on track with homework or schoolwork that they're dealing with, building relationships with other ladies that they want to connect to, maybe hosting an occasional gathering or a life group or something at the house and having to get ready for that, preparing a Bible study material to go to the Bible study meeting, trying to trying to keep up a good, loving, romantic relationship with husband and on top of a myriad of other things, trying to do all of that. And maybe for her it looks like trusting God to take a step of faith and action and believe that her identity is in Christ and not in all those things that she can accomplish or in what she reads in that magazine that says what the woman ought to be about or what she sees on Facebook in the best presentation of other moms or what she even sees looking back at her in the mirror. Maybe a step of faith in action is to trust and believe that Jesus' love is upon her. She has identity because of who He is. Maybe it's maybe it's even going further though. Maybe it's starting to, to pray and take a step to try to find joy in some of those things that are tough to do week in and week out. Maybe it's finding strength when the overwhelming things begin to land and it feels like You're not just uh, walking and drowning under the water, but you're all the way underneath the surface and you can't really seem to get on top of things. Maybe it's even as she learns to do that and kind of strengthen that muscle of faith, learn some new muscle memory for that muscle of faith, to begin then to actually pick one or two areas of life where stepping out in faith would mean doing some things that she feels totally unequipped to do, that make her fearful, but that only God can do as he meets her in that. Maybe for the young people here, kiddos, we got elementary age school folks, we got junior high, we got high school, let's all, give me your attention for at least a few moments, young ones, kiddos, Maybe it looks like for you, kids, also finding your identity in Christ so that when that friendship disappoints, when that friendship and relationship doesn't work out the way you thought, you realize, hey, that's not the sum total of my value. By faith, I trust that I am who I am because Christ is at work in my life, not because of what my friends think. And I can even do things on my own because of who Jesus is in my life, that might go against what my friends think, particularly if it's turned away from the Lord. Maybe it looks like young ones again in the activities that you're doing, maybe just playing the iPod or doing the dance uh, routines or part of the sports club or doing artistic expression or performing your best in school. Maybe it looks like doing those things not just for personal fulfillment because it makes you feel good, but to glorify God. See that those abilities are coming from Him and are for His purposes. Maybe it looks like for those who are here today who are just investigating the things of Christ. Maybe faith in action looks like realizing that the, uh, the boat, the vessel that is your life that maybe looks pretty good on the outside and even looks pretty good to you. It's got a nice outboard motor on it, And it has some skis and wakeboard on the little rack up here. And it's got a nice sound system and delightful cushions. It's a nice-looking vessel on the outside. But maybe faith in action is admitting that there's holes, big holes, in the bottom of that boat. And faith in action would look like beginning to see what, what looks to you because you're just beginning to... To look at the things of Christ, what looks to you like a rickety old castaway made raft that Jesus is riding on coming up next to you. But actually, that raft is the only hope, the only place that you can securely sail through the waves ultimately of God's righteous judgment that are coming and into eternal life with Jesus. Maybe faith and action looks like beginning to see things through those eyes. On well, all of this, hopefully we see what the main idea I've listed in your worship guide is. Actually, it may not be in there this week. you might have to actually write it in if you've got a pen handy and you're using that worship guide section. The main idea is this: since Jesus upholds us, since Jesus upholds us, we should demonstrate faith in action. Let's take a look at what we learned from our passage today about Jesus upholding us. Because the reality is, is that we're not going to shift our weight from just relying on Chris Peters and his perspective and his understanding, talking for myself, to shifting over here to Jesus and relying on Him for hope and life and joy if we think this is shaky ground over here. What does our passage show us today look at verse 25 to start off with in Matthew 14 Jesus came to them walking on the water he's not a normal person he's not like one of us as we're going to see at the end jumping down to verse 33 after all this takes place what do they say about him he's the son of God He's the Son of God. This is God who we are dealing with. And this God can change the dynamics of how water works and how physical properties operate. That's the kind of God that He is. Look as well at verse 27. Jesus spoke to them saying, Take heart, it's I. Do not be afraid. He's the one who can uphold us with His comfort. Uphold us with His promises and His truth. Don't have to be afraid. He's right there. And then verse 31, what happened when Peter sank? Jesus, leave him? Just go under? I hope you can find a life you know, life vest somewhere, Peter? Ah, he reaches out and he grabs him and he lifts him up. Jesus is a faithful one that can uphold us. He's worthy of our trust and reliance because of that. You know, the Scriptures certainly are full of examples of people who do take bold steps of faith and action. It's interesting how all of them seem to involve walking, or a lot of them involve walking. Peter's, obviously, we just talked about. You think about Abraham being called to go and to offer up Isaac, that precious son that he'd been given by the Lord. And to sacrifice his life. And you see, how does God come through? Providing that ram in the thicket at just the right time. What about Moses walking with all the people right up to the Red Sea with the armies of Pharaoh right behind him? And the only way it's going to happen is if God's upholding them, if God's in the midst of all of this. What about the people of Joshua's time? who marched around that city of Jericho. Not, to my mind, a great military strategy, either from its uh, ability to maybe put some fear in your enemies or to the strategic advantages of showing them yourself and walking right around their wall a bunch of times. And yet they're walking trusting that God is at work. God is doing His thing. And we're doing the same thing as a church, I hope, as a church family. When we start a new Sunday school class, we're not sure people are going to show up to it, but we're trusting. We're stepping out in faith. When we move to a new school building, we believe that that's what God would be leading us because we know He's at work and we're trusting Him to lead and guide us. When we're meeting and talking with folks about possible land for future meeting space and having those negotiations, we're praying about all of those matters and looking for God to lead. When we've got a deficit in our missions fund, we're trusting that God's big enough to handle these things. Well, One of my favorite books about this whole passage, and I highly recommend it to you if you haven't had a chance to read it, is by a guy named John Ortberg. And the title is just, If You Want to Walk on Water, You've Got to Get Out of the Boat. And I like the way he puts it, because he kind of flips things around a bit. It's not so much about the fear and the faith necessarily. It's about, hey, We've got an opportunity as believers to walk through life with the living God. And we can do that, but only if we decide to get out of the boat, get out of relying on our own ability and our own strength and trust Him. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 is a great passage. And Ortberg talks about this passage, and he also outlines about five points that I think I've got in your worship guide that we're going to run through quickly here. But Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 is a great verse for us to think about this. Uh, I was blessed that some people early on in my Christian life showed me this verse, and maybe it was just so applicable to me and my self reliant ways and my, my pushing God away perspective that I, that I logged it, it away. But it's really a good one, I think, for all of us to keep in mind. And it just says, Trust in the Lord. Trust in the Lord. That's faith. Trust in faith. Trust in the Lord with all your heart, okay, not just sort of part of things, all your heart, and do not at the same time lean on your own understanding. People don't walk on water. People can't walk on water. I don't have the abilities and capacity to do this. I can't really deal with the situation in life that I'm facing. Don't don't lean on our own understanding. In all our ways, not just... uh, With church stuff on Sunday morning, but in the workplace and with your marriage and with your friendships and with everything in life, all of those things acknowledge him. And then isn't it interesting how that verse ends? He will direct your path. It's a picture of walking again, isn't it? Ideas that we're moving in some direction. Faith in action. Well, the scriptures certainly point to several components of this idea of faith in action, number one you see in your worship guide there is a call, is a call. Now, in Peter's case, it's interesting because he asks Jesus to give him a call. And then Jesus does it. But there's a call. He says, hey, come out to me. And certainly in places in our life where God might be leading us to some very specific thing or specific decision, we're going to want to seek for Him to guide us and direct us in that. But the beautiful thing is, For most of the stuff in life, He's already given the call. He's already invited us to glorify Him and enjoy Him forever. He's already given us the great commandment to love Him with all our heart and mind and soul. Love our neighbor as ourselves. So the call's already been issued. The hard part is for us to make the step of faith. So there's always some kind of call that's given second thing we see and this is a huge one for us today there's always fear always fear we see it all over our passage today verse 30 shows it most dramatically Peter does what he's looking at Jesus first he sees Jesus he's walking on water and then he looks at the wind he looks at the waves and he's afraid, and he begins to sink down. Same is true for us, isn't it? We might have fear because of some kind of particular opposition we face in our life. We've got to take a stand in the workplace for some kind of biblical principle, and we know folks are going to be opposed to it. Or we're trying to start maybe even a mercy ministry or reach out and love somebody around us, and we know they're going to be kind of callous and resistant to it rather than receiving it. We might face those kind of things that... Bring some fear to our heart and mind. But most often, that fear is located right in here. We don't need any help from outside of us to stir it up. It's right here. Think about folks in the Scriptures. Think about Moses sent to talk to Pharaoh. What did he deal with? A sense of inadequacy. I can't speak. I don't know how to talk in a fluent way to speak to Pharaoh, the greatest ruler on on earth at that time. I need help. Might not be fear of inadequacy. It might be fear fear of failure. Remember the spies? Thinking about going into the land? No way we can handle those guys. They're huge in that territory. We Can't step out that way. Might even be fear of God himself. If you remember the parable of the talents in the New Testament, you remember the folks had one talent, two talents, five talents. And you remember, if you've ever looked at that passage, we don't have time to turn there this morning, but what the one-talent guy said as to why he didn't use that talent to produce something more for the master in the story. He said, I knew you were a hard master. You were a tough person to serve. Some of us might have fear because we... We think God's not for us. God's kind of against us. He's working against us. This passage reminds us that He's right there with us. And the question for us is this. If we don't feel any tension at certain places in our life between fear and faith, are we stepping out in faith? Because fear is always there when we step out in faith. Beautiful thing we saw already, number three, is that God gives reassurance. Okay, so you're gonna, we're going to have to walk through faith or through fear as we walk in faith and action. There's no other way about it, it seems, in the scriptures if you look at it. But the beautiful thing is, as we take that step, He reassures us. He comes alongside us. Psalm 18 was one place I looked at. Again, you don't need to turn there. Psalm 18, verse 1 through 3, and there's a bunch of these kind of reassurances in the Psalms. Psalm 18, verse 1 just says, I love you, O Lord, my strength. The Lord is my rock in my fortress and my deliverer. My God, my rock in whom I take refuge, my shield and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold. I call upon the Lord who's worthy to be praised and I'm saved from my enemies. He's going to reassure us in the midst of it. Verse 29, back in our Matthew passage Verse 29 reminds us as well that there's got to be a decision point for us. It can't be enough, and, and I hate to say it, but probably uh, in our church circles we're, we're not too bad about talking about the things of faith, talking about concepts of who Jesus is and how he died for us and paid for our sins and professing faith in that. But the challenge is to actually make decisions in life that are based on that, where we do step out of this reliance and into this reliance and actually carry that out in space and time rather than just an idea in our mind. Well, you've probably heard this story before as well, but I'll share it again because it's always a great one. And I said I'd work in at least one story about some bold faith. A story is told of the great Blondine, the great Blondine who was that tightrope rope walker so many decades ago, and he set up to walk across Niagara Falls, that huge expanse of distance and also over the top of a huge uh, descent into water and into depth and into cold temperatures, and he gathered around a huge crowd that came to see him do this and sure enough walked all the way across and all the way back and he got back and he said to the people he said do you believe i can do this do you believe i can walk all the way across and they said yes we believe it walked all the way across and all the way back again And he said to the crowd he said Do you believe, do you believe that I can even push a wheelbarrow as I go all the way across? They said, sure. We believe, we believe. Let's see it. He grabbed a wheelbarrow and pushed it all the way across there and all the way back safely. They cheered each time louder as he came back. And then he said, do you believe, do you believe I can put a hundred pound bag of beans in this Wheelbarrow and wheeled across and wheeled back. Yes, we believe, Great Blondine. We believe you can do it. Sure enough, he wheeled it across and wheeled back. And then he said, okay, I've wheeled across the wheelbarrow. I've wheeled it across with a 100 pounds in it. Do you believe I could wheel it across with a person inside this wheelbarrow? Yes, we believe, Great Blondine. We believe you can do it. And he looked at them and said, Who's going to get in the wheelbarrow? Got to be a decision point for us in our life. Like I said earlier, it might be just for the day-to-day things. That might be the step of faith for us. Just believing in the identity that we have in Christ. It might be some decision that we're facing. It might be some uh, moral issue we've got to sort out before the Lord. It might be the step of faith to put your trust in Christ for the first time. Whatever that is... We're going to have different degrees, but there's always an opportunity for decision. And guess what happens when we decide? When we decide one time, when we decide another time, when we decide a 50th time, when we decide a thousandth time, we start to become different people than what we used to be. Think about Peter. He's still going to stumble along. He's stumbling along after this happens with figuring out who Jesus is, he's going to rebuke Jesus and tell him that he doesn't think Jesus is going to die to save people from their sins. He's going to be so off track with that and not trust God's plan. He's going to deny Jesus at the point of his crucifixion. Right in the midst of things, he's not going to be able to stand with him Even on into Acts, he's going to huddle together with the other disciples, fearful in that upper room after Jesus has arisen instead of going forth boldly. He's even going to argue with Paul later on in the book of Acts about... Whether the gospel should go out to everybody or just some folks. So Peter's not going to have a perfect trajectory that he goes on. But what is happening is as he's beginning to take steps of faith and action, God's changing him into a different type of person. A person he's going to use to do amazing things for his kingdom in his midst. It's a quote at the end of your sermon note section in the worship guide. And I'll conclude with this. says, our future, who we are becoming, where we're going, matters more than our past, where and who we have been. Our future has more power to name and define us than our past. Consummation, that's the ending of things, swallows up origins. Destiny, not history, is the ultimate ground of our identity. And then listen to this and think about it. Think about this very hard. This is beautiful. How does a prostitute named Rahab, a Moabite outsider named Ruth, an incestuous schemer named Tamar, and an adulteress named Bathsheba end up in the birth line of Jesus? That's true. That's in the Bible, people. Listen to what he says. Because in God's economy, the person we become, not the person we have been, is the person we truly are. Let's pray. Oh, Father, we're just incredibly grateful today that we can be growing in our knowledge of You, Lord, the Sovereign One who directs all things, who upholds all things, who reaches down and grabs us and lifts us up, who can be faithful to sustain us as we walk in faith and action, we thank you that, uh, Lord, we can fully rely upon you and trust you to guide and direct. And Lord, we wouldn't want to take any step in a direction that you're not leading. And so we pray that for us individually and as a church. And yet, Lord, we also know that you're doing this thing as we make decisions of faith that you're shaping who we are and we're getting the amazing opportunity to walk closer and closer with you and see you work in our lives in deeper and deeper ways. So we pray in whatever situations you have brought to mind for each person here where we need to take steps of faith and action, that you would cause us to do so. And we know that you'll meet us in that fear. You'll give us reassurance. And Lord, that you will bless us as we walk in faith and action. In Jesus name. Amen.